Welcome to Following the Way. We're a podcast that's all about following Jesus and learning his way for our lives. We believe that scripture reveals this way and invites us to follow. We're glad you're with us as we seek together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back once again. It's so good to have you with us. And if you have found this podcast uh, recently or this is your first time listening, want to say a warm welcome to you as well. So glad to have you listening and, and join us. We have been going through the book of Hebrews lately, uh, looking at it chapter by chapter, a little bit more in depth, seeking to understand this incredible book in the New Testament. And uh, I'm hoping that as we're doing this, that this is something that is serving you well as a devotional resource or simply as a means to help you better understand the book of Hebrews or grow in your love and appreciation for this letter that we find in the New Testament. And so... I can say that I am genuinely excited uh, today as we're going to dig into the first half of Hebrews 12. Uh, We're going to split it up into two podcasts because I think that there's just, there's again so much here um, to, to look at and to talk through. And I'm sure, you know, we could do this for every chapter. In fact, I was thinking back, uh, having just done Hebrews 11 last week, and I was like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe I should have split that into two or maybe even three podcasts because there's, there's so much to, uh, to look at and to consider and ponder from Hebrews 11. But we're in Hebrews 12 now. And uh, once again, this is a continuation of what the writer's been um, saying in this letter to, to the group uh, that are receiving this letter. And, and it, Hebrews 12 starts off with, uh, therefore, which um, is uh, another way of saying, in light of what you've just read, in light of everything that I've just said, uh, consider this, or you know, now look at this. And so Hebrews 12 is very much a continuation of where we've been in Hebrews 11 and a um, the implications and application for, um, in light of the great heroes of faith that we read about in Hebrews 11 and how they were faithful and did not um, waver in, um, in their belief that God was faithful to what he had promised them, in light of all this, uh, comes Hebrews 12. So I'm going to, I'm going to read, um, the verses. There's 13 verses and all. I'm going to read them to start and then we'll, we'll dig into them a little bit more. Uh, and I'm reading from the NIV this time in case any of you are wondering if you want to read along, um, starting at verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, 
then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. I was, I was thinking about pausing midway through and, and then digging into a little bit and um, going on, but I thought, no, I'll read it all this time. So I've, I titled uh, this podcast, if you saw, you probably did see, uh, Pursue Discipline, Not Deconstruction. And uh, I did that because I, I've been having some conversations lately and over the past while even, but been thinking about this uh, the the issue or the um, the growing inclination to deconstruction in the evangelical realm of people who are deconstructing their faith or moving away from their evangelical beliefs and in many cases just rejecting the church and rejecting God entirely and and there's I mean on the spectrum of deconstruction uh, there's obviously um, you know, a whole level or, or you know, a, a bunch of different people are at a bunch of different places on that, that place of deconstruction. But I wanted to talk about that because I've had some conversations lately with people that were, were really, to be honest, discouraging, um, were, were sobering, um, has me pondering a lot, uh, makes me grieved at people that I've known in the past who uh, at one time, you know, would have professed uh, fervent faith in Christ, uh, a real desire to pursue the way of Jesus and to grow in their knowledge of God and in their relationship with Jesus and have since um, undertook what they would say is a process of deconstruction. And some I know better than others, others I've known at a distance, but heard of how they're now in this process of really um, moving away and, and um, you know, block by block sort of uh, moving away from faith and moving away from any sort of belief in Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord and uh, in their need to be part of Christian community. And, and so again, on the spectrum of deconstruction, people are at various places, but uh, it's sad. And if you're if you're listening and you're in that place or you know and you you may very well know someone who has done this or is in the process of it and and it's again in secular culture and in our society many times this is is widely applauded and seen as growth as you're you're coming out of the um you know the deception of evangelical christianity and you're you're moving into greater awareness and enlightenment in your life and doing away with those archaic ideas that uh, you've been brought up with there's and that and that's some of the things sort of the way that it's viewed and i i want to say and again this is the title of the podcast but i want to as we go through hebrews 12 i want to say that 
I, I believe that actually the way of discipline, pursuing discipline instead of deconstruction is the way of Jesus. And I want to show that uh, from this text. And in that, alongside that, I want to talk about brokenness because I believe that the way of brokenness is the way of Jesus, that Jesus modeled that for us and that he calls his followers, that, that we are actually called to not pursue and yearn for brokenness, but to understand that brokenness and um, walking through that and grappling with that and experiencing it is part of the way of Jesus and is normative in the Christian life. And if we reject that or try to sidestep that, uh, we are going to miss the way of Jesus. I actually believe that uh, it is that serious of an issue when it comes to our surrender and submission to the Lordship of Jesus and to the way that God has called his people to live and to walk. And we see this right off the top in Hebrews 12, where it says that we, you know, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people who have gone before us. And uh, be, in light of that, um, the writer says, let us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily wants to, that wants us to get caught up in things. Let's throw that off. The, the stuff that wants to get us caught up in all sorts of issues in our lives, throw it off and let's run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us. And I love that picture of that there's a race that we have as followers of Jesus that we are called to run. And it's not going to be easy, but it says, look Look to the past. Look at those heroes of the faith. Look at people who've gone before you, both, you know, well-known, famous heroes and even ones in our own families who have just faithfully lived the way of Jesus. I Last week, I uh, made mention and, and uh, highlight on my social media of the 76th, 76th anniversary of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's death um, in April 1945 at the hands of the Nazis. And... Uh, just mere weeks before Hitler killed himself and the Nazis surrendered and their regime crumbled, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed, hung uh, at a concentration camp. And I highlighted that because Dietrich Bonhoeffer has, for me, uh, through his books, but and also just through his testimony of the life that he lived and his uh, commitment to Jesus and to the church, uh, to me is just such a testimony to faithfulness, to the way of Jesus. And so I highlighted that and he's in that great cloud of witnesses. But in in this great cloud of witnesses that, that you know, we're urged on and, you know, in light of their watching us, let's keep running this race. We're actually not called to focus our eyes on them. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. We're looking to Jesus. We're, these witnesses are they're, they're spurring us on, so to speak. They're, they're, they're cheering us on going, keep at it. Keep at it, Paul. Keep at it. You know, whoever you, whatever your name is who's listening, keep at it. Run the race. Look, look to the example of people. And I, you know, I could, there's people in my family. There's people that have been part of our church that have run the race so well and their examples. And I remember them and I want, I want to follow their way of living. 
but I'm not looking to them. And they don't want us to look to us. They would, they, they're telling us, no, 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 no. Look, look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the one. He's the author. He's the perfecter of our faith. And it was him who, for the joy set before him of all that was to come, he endured the cross. He scorned the shame of the cross and the death and the suffering and the, the rejection that he suffered. He, he, he scorned all of that. Because he knew what was coming and he sat down. Jesus, this Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we are to consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men at the time Jesus died to the point that he was hung on a cross, died a sinner's criminal's death that he never, ever deserved to 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 die other than the fact that it was ordained by his father because he was to be a sacrifice the propitiation for our sins but we're to look to him it says you know so we don't grow weary and lose heart now that that's a reality of life and not you know we could say well in this time especially through some of the things we're walking through right now it sure feels like it feels darker these days than others and that's true but Growing weary and losing heart is part of the human condition. If I look back on my life, it's something that at various seasons in my life, regardless of what's been going on in the world around me, I felt like I've I've been weary and I have this propensity to lose heart. And it says when we're in those times and when we feel that inclination, look to Jesus. Because it says in our struggle against sin, and again, it's recognizing that sin is a battle. Like sin wants to entangle us. Sin wants to to latch onto us. Sin wants to cause us to reject Jesus. Sin is the, sin wants to have you enter into a process of deconstruction so that you would walk away and you would not run the race that's marked out for you, but rather you'd stop the race, that you'd get off the track, that you'd completely abandon this race and, and give in to these doubts, give in to this unbelief and and to walk a completely different path. And, and the writer here says to the people, he's like, look, this is real. So it's real that you can, you're going to feel weary. You're going to want to give up. You're going to lose heart. You're going to want to pack it in. You're going to want to say enough of this. I'm done. And you're going to want to, sin's a reality. But don't forget, he's saying, that in this struggle, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood like Jesus. You have not gone to the cross. He is the example. And that that's something that we gotta, we're meant to stop and take stock of and go, yeah, that's right. Right. Okay. And he says, and you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons and I'll add as daughters. And, and so he quotes then from... Proverbs 3 verses 11 and 12 and he, and, he, and he goes into and he talks about discipline that we're not to make light of the Lord's make light of the Lord's discipline we're not to lose heart when the Lord rebukes us and you're like what the Lord's going to discipline me and the Lord rebukes me yes part of apprenticeship to Jesus and following the way of Jesus is discipline It's actually that the Lord will bring situations, will bring circumstances into our lives that might actually be meant to be a rebuke. 
and might meant the Lord is actually purposely leading us into a season of discipline because he's saying, Paul, you need to grow. Paul, you need to move from this. You need to change. You need to shift. And it says, because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son or daughter. Now, the writer goes on and he talks then about how he gives the example of human fathers who you know, they disciplined us and we respected them for it. And some of you, and, and, and I'm in this camp too, might go, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I, I didn't have a good experience with my father. That brings up really painful memories for me. Uh, I don't like to the idea that I'm equating discipline from my earthly father who did it badly with a heavenly father. Like, like I don't, I don't want any part of a vengeful God like that. And so I want, want to just talk that through and go, you're right. And I don't know every situation and I don't, there can be discipline that's misused. There can be improper discipline. There can be abuse. There can be all manner of things that are not of the Lord. The, the writer here is talking about fatherly discipline as humans that is proper and is done well with self-control and is done uh, with love and not with anger and violence and abuse. And, you know, and I'll say this too, like, even though there's elements of some of my experience where I received discipline that wasn't fair and I, I have some challenges to work through with that in my life too, there is also the discipline that my dad did um, did put on me as as a as a young man. That actually, I look back now, where at the time I was like, no, um, you know, I I it wasn't pleasant at the time. In fact, I was pretty ticked off at the time. I didn't like it. It was painful. Um, I was annoyed and mad. But actually, in hindsight, now as I've gotten into my forties and and as I've become a father, I'm like, no. No, that was good. That was actually, that was, that was helpful and needed. And now I'm trying to convince my son going, I know you don't see it. This is good for you. This, this is, this is necessary because it's, it's about growing us into the way of Jesus and helping us follow the way of Jesus where we don't want to. And, and so this is what the writer's saying here. He's saying, look, endure hardship is discipline. Like, like, God will bring hardship potentially into our lives. And it's it's actually not like there's a point to it. It's not just something to pray away and to try to avoid. It's like God may do it. God may bring it into our lives. And and he, and and you know, the writer makes a point here again around this whole issue of discipline is like, look, like discipline is a reality of life. And I go, yeah, like having four kids, discipline is a reality of life. And if you don't discipline children, you grow up with unruly children who are out of control, um, who are going to have massive issues in society and massive issues of self-centeredness. And probably the research shows that if you don't discipline children, they're far more likely to enter into patterns of addiction in their lives and all sorts of things because they have not learned what the word no means. They have not learned that life isn't all about you, but that life is actually um, about others. And you need to learn that the hard way sometimes. And so this is true of our relationship and our apprenticeship to Jesus, that we're dealing with sin. We're dealing with character issues in ourselves. We're dealing with all manner of things that uh, the writer is really real about here. And he says, you, you've got to deal with this. And 
and and and the Lord will bring situations into our lives where he's not going to force us to deal with it, but he's going to give us opportunities in hardship and through suffering to go, this is discipline. And you can choose, and this is, we can choose whether we're going to pursue and submit to that discipline or whether we're going to chafe and whether we're going to, we're going to, we're going to balk and whether we're going to get our backs up and whether we're going to put our feet in the ground and we're going to go, no, 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 I'm not doing that. And, and, uh, in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue another path for my life. And what happens when that discipline or that hardship comes by the way of other people in our lives that God places in our lives to be used by God? And we're like, no, no, I'm not submitting to that. No, 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 no. That person's not going to tell me what to do. That's, that's, that's power tripping. That's, I'm not, I'm not listening to that. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to follow my way because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hear from the Lord myself. See, these are these are all the issues that are around discipline and how we surrender and yield to the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. And it's true. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's it can actually be really painful at the time. And but the promise, this is and this is why. This is why I want to pursue discipline, and I trust this is why you would want to pursue discipline, and this is my encouragement to you. Later on, it says, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And we, and we all have stories like that where, you know, it wasn't at the time, it was really difficult where it's like, well, why are you saying no to me? Why, why do I have to be disciplined for that? And it's like, because later... It produces really good things in our lives. It produces character. It produces godliness. It produces things in us that help us to be more and more like Jesus. And it brings peace in our lives because we've been trained by it. And so the writer then, he he ends off sort of this focus here on, says, therefore, so in light of all this, again, in light of what I've just said, consider this, pay attention, he's saying, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, like, I don't know. There's a picture here of like, I guess for us guys, like man up, man up. It's time. It's time to to stand up and to take discipline like a man. And I think there is that for, for guys. I think there is that um, encouragement here is like, look, stand up, be counted, man up. Uh, this is this is time for you to answer the call to the Lord and what he wants to do in you. It says make level paths for your feet. So that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Now that that little phrase there, make level paths for your feet, is from Proverbs four, and I want to I want to just I'm going to get to that in a second, because there's a bigger picture to that out of Proverbs four that I think is is well, I would I would definitely believe that the writer of Hebrews is purposely looking at at the totality, the whole of Proverbs four as he's as he's putting this in. But he says, he ends it by saying, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. The point to that is your life is an example to others around you. And the way that we live, the way that we respond to the Lord, then the people that look to us and the people that are looking to you. And, I, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, like I've got lots of people like that because by, by nature of who I am uh, in in you know, pastoring and ministering, there's people that are just going to look and, and they're going to expect me to live a certain way. And they should, there should be an expectation there because 
the way that I live in my example, but this goes for all of us, is that we can either be part of the healing of people or we can be part of people being led astray and being disabled and actually being hurt and being wounded. And I, and I think about this, this is happening with hearing some stories about uh, people who are influential in their, uh, in their, with their peers and going through this process of deconstruction. And then they're leading others down this path of deception and destruction. And you're like, you hear this and it's like, oh, Lord Jesus, have mercy on them. Because it's, it's so, it, it, that, that grieves me when I hear that. And it's not the Lord's will. And it's, it's not easy and it's hard. But again, going back, I just want to go to Proverbs 4 for a second and, and, and just um, unpack a little bit why I think the writer of Hebrews is referencing that um, part in Hebrews 4, or, or sorry, in Proverbs 4, in, in Hebrews 12. And I'm just going to just bear with me as I get to this. But he, that, that line there, make level paths for your feet. That's at the end of Proverbs 4, right at the end, the second last verse. And the, the theme of Proverbs 4 is a father speaking to his children saying, I want you to pay attention. I want you to gain understanding. I want you to get wisdom. I want you to get understanding. And again, in, in you know, the view of scripture, this is, he's talking about God's wisdom. And, if, and, and within Proverbs too, if you look at the theme of Proverbs, this is about the wisdom it comes from the Lord. Like I want you, my children, to to follow this. And 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 there's a theme throughout Proverbs four, of uh, being led in straight paths, um, watching your steps where you walk, so you're not your your steps aren't hampered. And verse twelve that you you won't stumble. Uh, there's there's this talking about do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of 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 evil men or evil people. He's saying like, avoid it. Do not go that way. Do not travel on it. Uh, do not look that way. The That's not the path. That's not the way of the righteous. And so he ends the Proverbs by saying, he's, he's encouraging his children, pay attention to what I say, listen to what I, my words. Um, and I love it. I mean, th- these are some of the most, uh, these, these are well-known words from Proverbs 4 where he says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Okay, let your eyes look straight ahead. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. And where should your gaze go? Writer of Hebrews goes, get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on the way of Jesus. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Like, isn't that good? Like, I'm, I'm even as I'm reading this, I'm like, whoa. Do you start to see the connecting points into Hebrews 12? Like, yeah. We've got this temptation and this inclination to evil and to, to for this in the sin around us and in our lives and in our histories and in the generational stuff. 
family of origin stuff. We've got so much stuff that wants to hinder and entangle and wants to cause weariness and, and cause us to lose heart, right? And then remember, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And, and, and the encouragement is get your eyes on Jesus, Get your eyes on Jesus. And so that's where I want to leave this today is I don't want to pursue any way, anything that takes me away from the way of Jesus. I don't want to even think about something that's going to get my eyes off of Jesus, but I want to look to him, the author and the perfecter of my faith, of our faith. He's there. He's at the right hand of God and he's saying, come on, come on. Don't pursue that. No, no, no. Pursue discipline. Take it. Endure it. It's good. Produces a harvest of righteousness and peace in your life. Don't don't be tempted to look the other way. And so I'll leave that today with you, friends. Be encouraged. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep following the way of Jesus. And until the next time, Lord willing, we'll see you again.